I've said it before and I'll say it again. There are two jobs for any syndicator or fund manager. Number one is finding investors and number two is finding assets to invest in. This is a blast from the past, from when I used to coach uh, syndicators and fund managers on how to start their own real estate syndication funds. So the video is about two years old or maybe a little bit more by the time you're watching this video, uh, but it goes into a deep dive into what that process looks like in order to find those best part markets across the nation. All right, so I wanted to go more into marketing or, or to market analysis and to demographics uh, today. And so what I did was, I'm going to switch to it. Good, showed up right. Uh, so what we're going to do today is we're going to look, go through some, you know, general market analysis that I did. As we talked about last uh, time, my top eight markets are in no particular order. Seattle, Denver, uh, Phoenix, Houston, Atlanta, Columbus, Ohio, uh, Charlotte, and Raleigh. So those were the main markets that I was picked out of um, that we talked about last week by looking at who's growing the most and who has the um, who has the right size of population uh, so that we're choosing things that are actually growing and that would be reasonable for investing in rather than you know you wouldn't want to grow. Uh, to be saying, well, the 20 person town is growing at, at 50% because the, you know, 10 people moved in. That just wouldn't uh, be any good. Uh, so these are people that are generally, I'm looking at growth rates, you know, above 1%. I'd love it 2% or 2% plus. And we're looking at it on a county by county basis. And that's important. And we'll see why I pull that out. Um, so I wanted first to look at, let's go through the kinds of reports that I pulled up. Uh, this is a uh, this is a demographic pro and income profile for uh, Phoenix area. I actually grew up in Scottsdale, so I know the area quite well. Um, and the Phoenix Metropolitan Service Area is actually very, very large. Let's actually pull it up so I can show you how large it is. Uh, 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 where'd you go? Are you showing? Yeah, you're showing. Okay. We don't want to show it on Workplace. We want to show it here. Um, so this is, so let's go back to define the area. I just want to show you how big the, the metropolitan area is to make a point here. When you're doing demographics, you're looking and or market analysis of anything, you're always looking at a sample size. And sometimes that sample is ginormous, as is the case here. There is a huge difference between this part, oops, uh, between this part. Can you see my mouse? I wonder. No, you can't see my mouse, uh, but you can see down here. Uh, so from between this part down here and the middle of the city right here, I mean, they're they're two very, very different things. So uh, that has to be taken into account primarily when you start looking at the data. Now, when I was sorting through, what I was looking for was these large blocks of, of county information. I think this might actually be city. Let's see, 
How do I go back to that? Um, I don't know how I go back to that. So, um, is the, so it has to be taken into account because these areas are grow, gonna grow probably sometimes fast, like, like over here. Um, but sometimes very, very slow, like this isn't really in the area, but this place over here is growing, you know, at, at a much slower rate than the rest of the country. Um, and we're looking kind of at averages and we're looking at bigger areas. See, this is showing us by zip code, um, these color blocks. So there are some parts that are growing much faster than others and some parts that are bigger than others. So that said, this is the, the, demographic information that we pulled out of um, for Phoenix. Um, so here's how I kind of look at things. First, I want to, I, I, I start at the top, obviously. Uh, and I always start with the demographic and income profile because I care, you know, if we think about what the drivers are, the driver that affects everything is population, right? So population affects your apartments, your office, your, your um, industrial and your retail. So it's only employment that starts affecting your, your office and your industrial and your retail, and then your spendable income affects uh, primarily retail. Um, so in population, we've got you know, a very large population base because uh, this is a very big area that it's pulling from. Uh, but we still have a decent sized growth. Now, the reason this number is smaller than that 2% that we saw last week is because, again, that surface area is much, much bigger. So I was zooming in on the counties like Maricopa County that was at 2 point, 2 point something percent, um, which is the main air, uh, county for Phoenix and Scottsdale and Mesa and Glendale, et cetera. Uh, but it doesn't include the uh, Indian reservations that are there. So, um, so 1.58%, we're still bigger than the national average. Uh, national average is expected to be 0.71%. Uh, I've got a, a slightly young demographic, which is something I would look for. Um, an, uh, and actually, I'm kind of surprised that it, it does skew younger than the national average. Uh, and then it's, but it is approaching uh, the, uh, uh, it is approaching the, um, uh, the national average. Um, and then we've got, I'm sorry, that's not the national average. That is the, um, here we have population by age. Okay, we'll get to that part. Uh, so we've got, a, we've got a growing area, growing faster than the rest of the state, growing faster than the nation. We've got households that are growing. So the difference between population and household really is, you know, is per housing unit. Uh, families is per actual family unit because you could have people sharing, you know, roommates count as a household, uh, but they don't count as a family. Um, and then uh, ownership of homes is increasing um, and uh, above the national average. And then the median household income I always care about um, is increasing as well. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, households by income in a minute because uh, I've got a better comparison that that shows it than um, than what this does. So uh, by population by age, what we're really looking at is okay. Well, how does this break down? So we can see, you know, we're in our double digits, really in this in this swath between 25 and 65, which is pretty normal. Um, 
and it, it trends throughout the, the time. So this is from the original census. This is the estimated number uh, for uh, the 2020 census. And then um, this is the, the predicted number as well for 2026. Uh, and so we still see that, that swath right in there, which is normal. Uh, we have a rate and ethnicity. Generally, that's not a, it's just not a really a factor for what we're doing. Um, and then um, now here we kind of are just seeing just general trends. So population is growing faster than everybody. Uh, households are growing faster than everybody. Uh, families are growing faster than uh, than uh, than everybody. Uh, same across the board. The only difference is the household income is actually growing more in the state than it is growing in the area, which is interesting. Um, so I said we would get back to. Let's see how do I go? So. One of the cities that we talked about is Columbus, uh, Ohio. And here I wanna talk about uh, household income because here I would be a little bit concerned and I would start doing a little bit more investigating. And then I'm gonna show you how I look at it when it compares to Raleigh, which has actually a similar type thing. So we've got our median household income. We've got our uh, median household income at 2%, but the nation is, is expected to grow, uh, I'm sorry, in 2021, where we've, we have a median uh, uh, trend in of, I'm sorry, I misread. All right, we got, for our area, we've got uh, 2.04 versus 2.41%. So we've got half a percent, which is pretty significant on a growth rate uh, of the nation that's significantly more than the area. Uh, that we're surveying. Now, what I do next is I come down and I want to see, well, what income brackets are really seeing that most amount of change? So we're seeing uh, we're seeing a decline uh, in these bottom tiered income uh, incomes all the way down to um, all the way down to here. And so, um, so we're seeing that decline that there is of the population, you know, 7.9% in 2021 uh, were below 15,000. Well, that drops to 6.7%. And so I'm seeing an overall decline until we get to, uh, it starts increasing once we get to that 75,000 and up. So that tells me that, okay, we are trending up in these upper income categories, uh, which is what I would want to see. But we're not seeing a huge shift. When we look at something like Raleigh, and this isn't a, this is uh, Raleigh and Durham combined, which is a, uh, so it's it's still a good sized area, but it's it's a much broader demographic, and again, it's it's kind of big. So I'm seeing 2.1% versus 2.4%. So I'd be a little concerned. But what gives me comfort here is I've got. I've got pretty big swings in these upper income brackets here. My people in the one, uh, 150 and up, uh, you know, it's 9.3 and 10.1 going up to 11.11. So that's telling me, okay, all of my swings are really taking place in this category here. Really, everybody, uh, it's not until we get above 75,000 that we start seeing a swing and then we get a pretty significant swing. So that gives me, hope that the upper demographic is actually swinging up um, 
and that's kind of reflected in what where we're seeing this this shift in the uh, median household income from what is currently in 2021 through 2026. Uh, so let's stick in. Um, uh, let's see, Phoenix might be useful. Houston's actually a good example too. Um, so, and again, it, it, this is just to give you kind of an idea and a flavor of the area. Now, the other thing that I find very helpful, and uh, I'd be happy to send these to you as well. We're going to send, I'm going to send you all eight of these packages. So I'm going to send you uh, for all of those cities that I've defined, we're going to put in the, for download in the knowledge library, we'll put all eight uh, of both the, the tapestry and the demographic and income profile. So they'll be there for you. You can look at those. But here is your invitation. Please just let me know where you want, um, uh, what you want me to run for you. If you've got a particular market, we're going to, we can do a deep dive into that, which is actually one of the things we're going to talk about next week. What I'd like to have happen is for people to tell me where they want to run, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, where you think your dominant area is going to be. We'll run those demographics and then we'll start looking at what that is. And then we'll craft what the messaging would be about the area to investors. So I think that would be a useful and uh, interesting exercise. Now, tapestries are pretty interesting. So a tapestry uh, is a technology that came uh, that's derived by Esri. So it is just, it's uh, a tapestry is another word for a psychographic profile, which basically takes all of the information that exists both in demographics and spending habits and makes predictions about who these people are and uh, what kind of category you could put them into. Do, 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 do. Hoping we can, I'm not getting it very clearly. Allow. Uh, 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 let's see, me. so here's just one. Let me click over to Chrome so you can see it. Um, so here's the, the urban chic one. We've got, you know, this is their, the average, the number of households that are predicted to be in that. Um, average household size, 4.3. This is a very good way to start to get a handle on not only your uh, area at large, but also in the area that um, about what's important and about what spending habits are going to look like. So I've used this before to uh, make a case for certain retail uh, positions to say, you know, these are the these are people who try to who are primarily eating organic foods, drinking imported wine. They appreciate a good cup of coffee. So if I've got a retail center that's got a great coffee shop, it's this supports that. Okay, that's going to be a good tenant. That tenant should do well. Um, it also gives me kind of an idea of what their their overall spending habits are, and ultimately these are where those main demographics are located throughout the country. It is. Um, they're interesting in uh, in and of themselves in a smaller area. I mean, in a you know a broad sense. But let's do a um, mm -mm -mm, no. So let's do my office for fun.
Uh, 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 um. That's a very strange way to look at my office. Yes, that is where my office is. Okay. Yeah, this it just looks funny here because of how they laid it out. Um, so, oh, that's showing all of Calabas. That's interesting. Oops. What? Stop. Stop. Two three nine zero one. Calabasas. There we go. That looks better. That looked funny having it up there. Okay. So this is my office building right there. I sit right. I can't move it. I sit right there. Um, so what we can do is we can build out several rings and get, get very specific kind of information about our about our business itself. So uh, we can do that either by just creating rings of mileage or by drive time uh, or by walk time. Now we are a driving area. Um, so, but for what I wanna talk about, I actually just wanna just look at a two, uh, a two mile radius up of around my office. Okay. So this is, uh, this is the radius around where I work. And uh, let's get a that dominant tapestry profile. And this one takes a little bit longer to run, but you'll start seeing in detail um, a little bit more trends. When you look at it in a huge map, like, uh, 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 like here, it's so hard to pick out, you know, it's like, well, what, you know, the building I'm looking at is there and that doesn't really tell me very much. Uh, but when we start looking in more detail, like here, now we start seeing, okay, now this is what we're talking about. So all of these people belong to affluent estates uh, and, uh, and or the uh, upscale avenues. Everybody is within this, um, this, I think that's true, isn't that right? Uh, no, so within, um, within these color codes. So affluent estates is this, this one designated by the number one. Uh, urban chic is designated by the number two. And so we get into more detail about what they specifically are. So if my building is in a 1A, that means they're a top tier. Uh, so now I'm starting to get more and more information about who these people are. They skew slightly older, uh, the average, uh, uh, age is uh, 38 uh, for the US, uh, here it's 47. Uh, and it also has uh, you know the average incomes and the median net worths uh, as compared to the rest of the country. Um, but then I do like how it talks about, so I can kind of get to know who these people are. They uh, buy luxury cars, uh, they, um, they contribute to the arts, cultural organizations, uh, eh, I wouldn't go that far. The, the people here do that, but uh, okay, sure. Um, 
they use uh, service from property garden maintenance. Uh, yeah, so everybody has a gardener here. That's true. Everybody has a housekeeper. That's true. Um, so it kind of gives me an, an interesting perspective on what uh, what's going on. Now, this is for the the um, the demographic profile or the psychographic profile. Uh, the median house value here is not eight hundred nineteen thousand um, dollars, but it just gives you kind of an idea about where they fall and what they uh, who they tend to be. And what that does is that gives you a better uh, better talking points when you're talking to your investor about who those people are that are in your surrounding area. So it may matter a lot if those if the people in your um, say you're building buying an office building and all the people around that office building tend to be professionals, and you may got a pretty good case that you know this is probably going to be most attractive to your lawyers and insurance agents and things like that. Or if it's medical office, then obviously doctors is going to be the higher end medical services. Um, uh, whereas other areas may have less of a demand for certain things and more of a demand for other things. You're not going to find an, there's, I think there's one apartment building. Yeah, there's only one apartment building that I can think of in Calabasas. Uh, there probably uh, are more, but I can only think of one. Uh, so I wouldn't go into there saying it's going to be a great market for apartment buildings. Um, while it could be, uh, you're going to probably have some problems in, in order to do that. Whereas if you're looking to do you know, either high-end homes or you're looking to do in a professional office or you're looking to do high-end retail, it's a great place for it. If you're looking to put in a, uh, a food for less, not a good area. Uh, there is a food for less about two miles away, uh, but it's not in the city. Um, so that just gives you kind of a background in terms of how I look at demographics as it relate or psychographics as it relates to what we're talking about. So your assignment is to uh, is to message me just you know I would like either you know this city or I'd like a you know a five mile ring around this address or in this whole county or something send me a message of what you want uh, demographics for and we'll look at them and we'll go through it and we'll say well this is interesting these are the things that are really good and that I would talk about and these are the things that aren't so good like if I'm have a negative growth rate I wouldn't it certainly wouldn't be the big thing that I'm touting uh, but I probably would address the fact that it exists because you want to get that out there as well. Um, a good example is uh, I was doing a syndication where one of the people um, asked about what the what the education system was like, you know, in terms of schools, does it have good schools, and what the population uh, growth was like. Uh, one of the people I was working with on that deal went and told the um, went and told the uh, that investor that oh the schools are you know top of the country and uh, the growth rate is phenomenal. Uh, completely untrue. It was just being a, a salesperson, and uh, but absolutely not true. That person, oddly enough, didn't chose not to invest. Um, I don't know whether they knew that that it was not a truthful statement. It was a statement that I just overheard, um, and uh, it was completely 
completely off the mark. And I don't know how many other people they told that to. Because I don't want to have happen is for those negative things that do exist in every property and every situation. I don't want those to, you know, I don't want them to be lied about because then at some point somebody's going to find out and then I'm going to get called on it and I've just lost all my credibility. So uh, it's good to know all of the, the sore points and all of the good points. And then you just look more professional too when you disclose the the points that aren't so good. And you just say, you know, look, the growth rate in this general area isn't so good. Um, it's not terrible, but here's here's why that actually doesn't matter to us because what we're doing is we're doing X, Y, Z. And, you know, you put a spin on it about why it's not really a negative and overcome that, uh, what would be an objection about that. Now, before it's even brought up, and the fact that you brought it up just makes you look more and more all right, um, let's see. I now want to go through, am I on that mode? Yeah, okay. Let me open up. Uh, just bear with me one second while I figure out how I bring this up. Um, oh. Oh, that's strange. Okay. Um, let's see. First, I want to talk about this. Okay. Then I have to. Sorry, just have to make this so it looks right. Oh, I'm not even in the right window. Oh, yeah. All right, just bear with me one more sec. Almost there, almost there. Not easy to do graphics while live on camera. All right, now we've got it. Whew. All right, so. What we've done here, this is uh, a find properties uh, spreadsheet. Now it looks similar to the, the, um, uh, the spreadsheet that I've given you before on finding investors, uh, but it, it kind of lays out the very, very basics. The point isn't really to use this spreadsheet that this is the only way to do it. The point for this, this spreadsheet is, here's an easy way to do it. Just start doing it and start logging. So. I've broken down the finding properties into three different things that you should be doing. The first is database, second is agents, and the third is, um, is CIE. So CIE stands for Commercial uh, Information Exchange, which is your LoopNet, your Crexy, your CoStar, uh, your Catalyst, um, your MLS, all those things are your CIEs. Um, so database, we've got... Um, here, I want you to go through and just start building of the properties that are in your database that you think are likely that match your founder investment theory. Just start logging those in. 
put in who the invest, who the owner is, and then decide, uh, you know, what's the best way to get a hold of the owner, uh, meet with the owner, see if they'll take an offer. This is the same thing a lot of you do when you're talking for, you know, getting a listing, but here you're talking for yourself. And so at the very least, it's, it's another way to have a conversation with them. Um, but this is a way where your brokerage business can feed directly into your business as a, uh, as a syndicator. Uh, and lastly, you know, what are those notes? I see the best is probably a little tiny. So let me zoom it in a little bit. Um, so, uh, you know, it's got these, these fields and it's got a notes field. It's, is, uh, I would highly recommend you just do this and get it done. Just what are those key properties? Because most of you probably, it's you want a property. Uh, and so that's why you haven't really gotten started. And, um, and so if, if that's the case, here's a way you can go through your database, see what's in existence and start just putting properties down. The second way is, uh, is real estate agents. So I've advocated before that a great way to find properties uh, is start talking to agents. Um, it's probably worth incentivizing them without them may, being able to take a brokerage fee um, uh, and double end the deal, uh, if that's valid in your state, which probably is. I think almost all states let you double end. Um, and so in this case, they could double end, make double the commission, uh, and you'll, you know, and but you'll then have a good property to syndicate. Um, or split it with them or come up with something in order to do that. So this is just a basic uh, list that you can build out just like our other list of people to contact. So build out a name, uh, a list of who are those people? What is the product type they, they typically work in? Uh, make sure these are within your, fa your founder investment theory. You don't wanna be talking to, a, to an office guy when all you're really interested in is, um, is land, right? It just, that, that wouldn't make any sense. Um, you know, what geographic area are, do they specialize in? And then just start meeting with them and getting a hold of them and talking about what's going on, buy them a cup of coffee and see what it, it is. Because at the end of the day, they may not even be, have your product, but they may be able to, they may know some investors uh, that will go into your deal as well. Uh, the last is uh, your commercial um, information exchanges. So what, I'm recommending that you do here is start building out your searches. So um, for example, I've got searches on Prexy and LoopNet and CoStar uh, for exactly what I'm looking for. And it emails me, you know, whenever something new comes on the market. Now, some of the, my markets are a little hot and so there's not a lot coming on the market. Um, and they're getting sold before it hits the market but at least I'm getting notified as soon as it hits the market. Now, these probably aren't where your deals are coming from, but it may still, they may. And so it's worth watching and knowing, and you're also just gonna know your market a little bit better. So you do this anyway for your, when you're repping buyers, you build out you know, a search in the MLS for them, or you build out a search for, um, for them on retail properties, if that's what they wanna buy. Um, you build it out for them and, and it's kind of a nice thing that they get these emails. Well, you just do it for yourself because you are you are repping yourself. Uh, 
So this is the finding properties um, spreadsheet. Let me show you. And so I will be sending this out as well. Now it would make, I think it would definitely be a swell idea to start using this or some other way. So the reason I'm giving this is because I think they're kind of useful forms um, and I like using Excel for them, but also because um, to encourage you, start thinking about properties in a more structured way. Once things are written down, you're much more likely to take prog you know, make progress than if it's not. The other is... Whoa, look at that, it switched on the fly too. Pretty fancy. Uh, is this latch system? There we go. All right, so once I have, and I show you this because I, I think a lot of people aren't, don't have any active deals right now, but this is how I keep track of it. And I wanna take down the, the confusion about how to do it now, rather than um, have there being some fear about, well, once I get it in, then I suddenly have to do all this work. So one thing. Um, so, um, this is the latch investors. This is the total amount being raised, um, the price per membership unit, estimated close date. Uh, and then we just are starting to list out names. Now, these are names from your database. This is names from your sphere of influence. Um, this can absolutely come from the other spreadsheet that we gave um, back in, I think it was August 4th. Uh, I was when we gave that sheet. Um, so if you want to look at the August 4th uh, rapid implementation call, that's where that is. Uh, then it has, you know, the, it has the necessary steps. Now this assumes a 506C, which most of you are going to be doing. So uh, did they receive a brochure? You know, simple question, the brochure or pitch deck, you know, did they receive it? Uh, did they receive uh, a PPM yet from you? Uh, you know, when did you pitch them formally? You know, did they give you a soft commit? And so for my definition, a soft commit is somebody who says, yeah, that sounds like something I'd put $75,000 into or $50,000 into, something like that. After you've gotten the soft commit, that it's at that point that we send it to accreditation. Accreditation costs money, so that's why unless I get a soft commit, I'm probably not going to send it for accreditation. So the cost of accreditation, uh, if you use early IQ, which we have a link for, uh, is I believe it's $55 um, per, per accreditation. And so, you know, you can either pass that on to investors, which is fine, but if they're not really willing to give you a soft commit, they're not going to spend $55 anyway. Um, and you're certainly not going to spend $55 uh, for somebody who, who's just kind of on the fence. It's a waste of money. Um, once you hear back from them and find out if they're accredited, um, then you move on to what their firm commitment is. The, no, I've, I've decided I'm going to do $100,000. Great. Sign the subscription agreement. Then you get the funds in there. This was just for testing. 
And then what we're doing here, why this is swell, is because you're always trying to keep track of who, where you're at on any given point on there. So I haven't prettied this up yet for you, but you'll get the point. Is, uh, you know, how many of my prospects in this list haven't I contacted yet? How many are live? How many are, um, how many are just unconverted? You know, like how many are there that are still alive and I've pitched, but I haven't converted to them giving me any kind of number. They just said, mm, let me think about it. Um, or how many, how many of those gave me a softman? So yeah, I'd probably do 200,000. Um, how many of them have finished the accreditation process? And now how many signed subscription agreements have you got? Because at the end of the day, what you're really looking for is these dollar amounts. So, you know, really dollars that I still need to get in my bank account is $900,000. I still need $900,000. Now I've received $100,000 from, uh, from John Adams. Uh, he gave me $100,000. Um, but I still need uh, the amount remaining. If I count, if I start counting my, the people who gave me firm commits, you know, what is that looking like? So let's say Thomas Jefferson gave me a firm commit of $50,000. Okay. So if my firm commits come in, then I really only need 850,000. And then if I keep track of, well, but George Washington told me he was going to give me that he was probably in for 250,000. Well, okay. If I convert him, I've got $600,000 just trying to give eyeballs on where you are at any given point. Because, I mean, this is the number that really matters, the number of dollars that are in the bank. It at least lets you know, okay, I've got a pretty big disconnect here. I need to bridge that gap by converting this, uh, this, this $400,000 in order to, to make it happen. And I got to fix this calculation because it's adding up people who already committed. So I'll, uh, before I send it out, I'll fix that up. Oh no, that's correct. Uh, so the $400,000, so this is soft committed dollars, but it's actually soft committed dollars plus firm plus uh, received. So this is counting it that way. So my mistake, This the calculation is right. It just uh, didn't have the right title. I hope you found that video helpful. My name is Tilda Moschetti. I am a syndication attorney with the Moschetti Syndication Law Group. If we can help you put together a real estate syndication or fund or find capital for your business or whatever it is that you're looking to use Regulation D4, I hope you'll give us a call.